Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Off the Post Post Media Hockey Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman here in Vancouver, joined by Calgary Flames beat writer and hockey expert, Kristen Anderson. Kristen, how's things today? Yeah, good. Really good. Excited for the season to start. It feels like it's been the longest summer <laughs> ever, especially in Calgary with all the moves that they've made and all the, um, the all the everything that they've done in the off season. So it's finally nice to get things going and get back to the arena for sure. Longest summer ever, except it's snowing already in Calgary. <laughs> so summer's over right away. Hey, so it's hockey weather, right? It is hockey weather, right? <laughs> um, so we are going to talk. Uh, obviously, your expertise is the flame. But the whole point of these podcasts is to talk league-wide about all the stuff you see and hear during the week. So just to let people know how this podcast works, we're going to do three segments, just like three periods, very creative here, stretching our our hockey muscles. (laughs) Uh, First off, we will cover a lot of the news stuff that's going on in in the NHL as we get ready for the season to start. You know, does it matter if you're wearing the C with some of the announcements we've seen? Do you have to have a captain? Uh, We'll also talk about the suspensions and obviously Fortnite gate, this flap that's come up about the cacks. In our second segment, we'll talk about, you know, rumors, trades, coaches on the hot seat, that kind of stuff. Maybe have a look at who we think is is going to uh, break out this season, who who uh, who's maybe got their work cut out for them. In the last segment, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have you rank some things about the NHL, some serious, some not so serious. So just wanted to let people know what they can expect. So we do thank you for listening. We hope you subscribe at Apple Podcasts and you won't miss one. We will be featuring a different beat writer every week, but we will certainly have Kristen on Several times this season, I hope, as long as she doesn't hate this experience. <laughs> I'm never working with him again. I should tell our listeners I am six months pregnant, so wow. I'm taking a little bit of time off in the middle of the season. Our baby's due January 26th, well, which is, yeah, it's like right in the middle of the season, um, NHL All-Star Weekend. So uh, it's... Uh, It'll be a short season, a little bit of a shorter season for me, but um, hope to be along for the ride for pretty much the the rest of the way. So well, you timed that well, you know, the All Star <laughs> <Yeah>. break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll it'll be interesting too if the Flames make the playoffs. I mean, that was that's a big question for in Calgary for sure, um, and, and an expectation really. And and uh, I, I definitely want to be back for that if if because yeah. it's it's an exciting year and and there there's a lot of pressure in Calgary for sure. Well, there's a lot of expectation this time of year. Uh, uh, Everyone thinks they're number one. So let's start. um, I don't necessarily want to start with Vancouver because you're here, uh, because this is a national podcast. But in Vancouver, they made the choice not to name a captain. A lot of people thought it was 50-50 that they would get Bo Horvat. Um, We saw this in in Las Vegas last year. They didn't want to, you know, put it all on one guy. They wanted more of a team ethos. Um, Obviously, the Canucks had lost Henrik Sedin. So they're looking for, should they try and fill the skates or should they do this by committee? Montreal named Shea Weber. Um, I saw in Buffalo that they just named Jack Eichel. You know, you take a young star, maybe not necessarily the best leader, but sort of it's fitting the stature of the player. What's your thought on, do you need a captain? How much difference does it make if a guy's wearing a seat? It's such an interesting topic and it's like, it's an archaic topic almost. It's like kind of like this old not kind of old way it's always been there's always been a captain and it's I think it's interesting what they're doing in Vancouver and sort of letting the leadership decide itself 
I am not a big fan of just naming somebody to name somebody because like Shea Weber isn't going to be back in the lineup until December. Like, yes, he's sort of the dad. They call him the dad in, in, in Montreal. And he's a, you know, you know what he's done in the NHL. And he's such a great, um, he's such a great player. And obviously um, is a big key to this Montreal kind of transition from Max Pacioretty and yeah, it, it, I guess it makes sense, but like, is he really in the day-to-day locker room? I guess maybe he is, like behind the scenes a little bit more so. But so much of what I think a leader does in the NHL is, is on the ice, and there's a validity in, in having a guy that's not going to be on the ice um, until halfway through the year, pretty much. Like, I just I don't know. I don't see a point in that for me. And then Jack Eichel, that's another interesting one. Like twenty-one years old, yeah. like really. I mean, did is that is that a necessary thing? Like, does he have the um, mental fortitude and the experience and and just the kind of NHL savviness to be to be a real leader? Like, so I guess it's just dependent on the, on the club. And interesting that Vancouver's not the only one, uh, not the only team that is is going to go without a captain. Like I know in, in Detroit. Um, in, in Toronto, they're, they're kind of doing the same thing. Obviously, Ve- Vegas hasn't had a captain, um, and then in the, the Senators. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But like I know in Calgary, they just named Matthew Kachuk and, and Michael Backlund as, as as assistant captains, or sorry, um, so, not associate captains. Alternate. Uh, alternate. Oh my gosh. No, I always thought it was assistant forever too. Yeah. yeah. Um, alternate captains. So. Matthew Kachuk is interesting because he's like 21 years old and just broke into the league two years ago. He he's a little bit of a different scenario in my mind just because of the the leadership qualities that he already has. And he was kind of a an older rookie when he broke in just because of his his dad growing up in the environment in, in the NHL dressing rooms all the time. And kind of same with Bo Horvat. That makes a lot of sense to have him as an assistant. But as a captain, I don't know. Like. Uh, it, you can't force it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think we've seen guys over the years that uh, because they're a star, maybe like an Eichel, where it's almost like a contract perk where you're trying to keep them happy to give them the status. Um, I, I thought that when Mario Lemieux was first named captain, you know, but he really grew into that leadership role, and maybe that's the hope. A guy like Kachuk is interesting, though, because he is the kind of guy who if something happens on the ice to one of his teammates, he's going to show that leadership and go out there and do it. But does does he command... Uh, a presence from his teammates in the room, even though he's so young. I think I think so personally. Uh, like just being around the dressing room and seeing the way that he interacts and kind of melds and me- meshes with everybody. And you have to think about the way that the Calgary Flames dressing room has changed. Like I was talking to Mark Giordano about it t- um, today, which is Wednesday, October third his 35th birthday and we were also talking about Fortnite, which he doesn't really Which we'll know. get to in a second. <laughs> <laughs> which he doesn't know a lot about and I don't know a lot about it to be honest. But it... It's changed, and it's it's a lot younger dressing room, and that factors in too because you need a guy that can relate to the younger guys coming in and kind of be that barrier breaker and allow the all the pieces to sort of fit in the dressing room to mesh. Connor McDavid in Edmonton, is he the best captain? No, he's the best player in the National Hockey League. We'll get to that as well too later yeah. when we talk about the the top players in the league, but. Has he earned the right? I don't really know. Hockey's full of this, though. And that's where, to me, it segues so well into the Fortnite discussion because it's great to see other sports now. You know, baseball, um, certainly the NFL have now put the C on the jersey, which hockey's had for years. And it was always a part of hockey lore, like, you know, handshakes after the games and everything. But this whole debate about whether – you need one or whether, you know, you stand up to the great captains of the past with some of these teams. It really is in hockey. It has much more weight than it does in other sports. But I think when we see this discussion around banning video games, I find it's this almost this clash of old hockey culture and new hockey culture. And I thought it was really interesting, this Patrick Laine quote today, which was, you know, people are taking it as a real swipe at the Canucks. Well, yeah, they should should have banned it. Look how bad they were last year, <laughs> words to that effect. But it, there does seem to be like um, 
I've heard those stories, and we can't mention any names because I don't want to get sued, but I hear the stories of what goes on on the road and what goes on the road now and what goes on over the years. I wish there were stories we could share with our listeners, but it's not fair to delve into the dirt that we hear about NHL players sometimes. So that's okay, but you're banning video games? It seems very grumpy, old-time, like stodgy conservative hockey culture, does it not? Yeah, it does to me. And that, and like you have to think about the generation of players that are coming up that have never known a life before the internet, never known a life where they can't have a group chat and text with their friends. Like the 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 generation is shifting, and it, uh, like Mark Giordano had a pretty interesting quote today. Like when we were talking to him about Fortnite, because that was the big discussion here in Vancouver, obviously. He's like, oh, my son's into it. His son's like, like four or five years old. My son's into it. Like you can see the addiction. Like you can see why guys would be interested in it. And he was like, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Goudreau's interested in it and plays it all the time. But like to ban it, I guess maybe if it impacts like their team bonding. Does it though? I, I, I don't like know. Like if someone's like, not coming out to dinner on the road, like deal with that. Like don't that's ban video games. a personality issue in my mind. Absolutely. And, like, if, and if, that's a leadership issue, exactly. right? It goes back to it. The captains look, look, buddy, we're all going out for dinner. You're picking up the check or however they do it with young players these days. Yeah. And like I know with the Calgary Flames, like Mike Smith's all about playing cards and uh, Brian McGratton got Sean Monaghan really into playing cards on the plane. And so there's there was that. Like maybe Fortnite's the new card game kind of card yeah. games on the road or whatever but uh, i don't know like i'm okay like I, I guess like are they really staying up all night playing i doubt it like like they're professional athletes and they're you know we we do give them a lot of credit because oh they're professional athletes but at the end of the day some of them are, are teenagers um and still kind of maturing i don't know like i don't see it as a big issue yeah so the the interesting thing to me Kristen, is that last in the summer uh, this news report came up, and I'm not going to mention the guy's name because I don't want to give him the publicity, but he tagged Ole Ulevi as this young prospect who had been mentioned by anonymous sources as having a video game addiction, whose game had suffered uh, by staying up till 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. And of course, that would be an issue if a guy was out till 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning doing anything as a young prospect. Um the Canucks and everyone else came out universally said that no, it wasn't Yo Levy, it's someone else. But that's the only instance I can find. Now, maybe these guys have heard that it's a problem and that they do have younger players staying up and blowing curfew to play video games. <laughs> that to me obviously is an issue. But this again is something that maybe needs to be policed on a one on one thing. I think the Canucks have made themselves kind of a joke here by putting a team wide ban on it. Do you think? I think so, a little bit. I and like who's to say that that there aren't like players up all night chatting or doing whatever they're doing on their phones or like up on social media all night long or whatever. Banning Instagram, that's right. Yeah, next. <laughs> exactly. Like it is kind of a joke in my mind. Yeah. So um if you want the one other news part that I wanted to talk about before we move on to part two was the suspension to Tom Wilson. Definitely came down today, twenty games. Um, you know, certainly I think because he's a repeat offender, because he has a bit of a reputation that has followed him around. But we often see this at the start of the season. We see, I don't know if it's an overcorrection, but we see some tougher penalties because the NHL is trying to set a tone. Where do you think the league is in terms of player safety, in terms of uh, respect for each other on the ice, and the discipline and how they're handling it? To me, this Tom Wilson thing is a separate issue directed at Tom Wilson. Like, Tom Wilson has been known to walk the line and have some disciplinary issues and kind of gets himself into these situations by his kind of, for lack of a better word, stupid kind of reactionary actions. I I think the league is really trending towards getting, making it very safe for players. Like there's so much concussion research. There's so many injuries and you want your stars to be at their best in this league for money-making purposes, for entertainment, for, for the quality of competition in the league, for so many different reasons that I think that the NHLPA is doing, or NHL player safety is doing um, as much as they can. And, and they're doing a good job of it. Now, do I think that the ridiculous amount that he's being penalized, like basically his it's his entire salary this year, it's $1.26 million and 160 US, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
And his salary this season is only supposed to be $1.1 million. Like, this, that, that's a huge blow, and that is a huge message. Maybe it is overcorrecting a little bit. But with Tom Wilson, like, what else is going to sink into this kid? And he just signed a huge deal with, yep. the, with the Capitals to be in that leadership or in that core group for, for quite a long time. So, um, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's an ongoing question. It seems like it's a question every year. I, and I wanted to point out, actually, the last time somebody was, was uh, uh, penalized that much money was uh, Dennis Wybin, the defenseman for the Calgary Flames, who um, gave up, I think it was five, $564,516.20 in his 2016 20-game suspension for physical abuse of an official with uh, yeah. Don Henderson. So, well, the 20 cents really put him over the top oh. there. That, that crossed the line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but a yeah, guy's making $6 million Absolutely. or whatever. That's yep. a lot of money. No, it is. It's it's not a lot of money for you and me, maybe. But, but uh, I mean, for, to, to penalize a guy, I'm sure there's going to be some arbitration hearings or there's going to be some um, – an appeal from Tom Wilson's party because I like I can't see how they'll be happy the his side will be happy I know how much um back and forth obviously it was a different situation how much back and forth happened with Dennis Weidman but Tom Wilson this is this is going to be an interesting this isn't this isn't done yet okay well thanks for that this is the end of part one stay tuned and we'll be right back with part two How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10.3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10.3, Canada's News Covered. Welcome back to part two, the second period, as we like to call it, of the Post Media Off the Post podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by Kristen Anderson, uh, Calgary Flames beat writer. So, Kristen, we were just talking about Tom Wilson and the suspension. Um, I'm curious, are you hearing any themes for this year from officials? We do see at the start of the year, sometimes we see more power plays. We see the league trying to, you know, stamp their mark of what kind of hockey they'd like to see. And this, this, this is always a... It's a little thing that aggravates me. I can get behind with what they're trying to do. We see it in other sports as well, whether they're calling flopping in the NBA or they're calling roughing the passer in the in the NFL. But the constant flow of power plays tends to really stop the entertainment of the game. There's It just kills the flow. And I know they want goals or they want people to not do certain things. Do you think we're just going to see the league kind of be pretty mellow on this? Or are there themes that they're trying to push for this season? That's a great topic of conversation. Um, I, I guess, like, for me, it's – it's uh, in Calgary, we watch Matthew Kachuk all the time and the type of play – like, he's he's the most – he's drawn the most minor penalties um, of any NHLer, I think, for the last two seasons. I think the season uh, – his first rookie season, he was behind Connor McDavid. I, you kind of see guys – there's guys in the league that are kind of like that, and there's um, – certain veteran kind of veteran rookie type things that go on I guess it's just it's just about keeping players safe I think that that's the biggest thing I'm seeing I I don't know if there's any trends like but there is a lot of power I've noticed there is a lot of power plays um and just it, it does ruin the flow for sure um, but I think it's all about pl- keeping players safe and, and, and creating value and creating um, um, entertainment value. You, you don't want to see your your best players hurt. Like Johnny Goudreau missed, um, I think it was 10 games or something a couple of years ago with a broken finger because, you know, he got slashed a, a number of times, numerous amount of times, um, and it wasn't called. So and maybe that was because he, he kind of calls for more like he kind of asks for it a little bit more and calls for and tries to get calls call on him all the time. It, it's a it's an interesting developing story. Do you my think? Mind. Do you think the? I'm, I I'm, I I agree with you. I think we're going to see more status quo this year than overreaction to anything. But do you think the NHL is in a good place right now? And I just think of last season. Obviously, what a great story Vegas was. Winnipeg was a great story. And then Ovi's celebration tour and redemption with the cup in Vegas, push-ups, beer, like you name it. Um, the NHL seems to be trending upwards off last season. 
but we still know that they're chasing the U.S. audience, um, in particular on television. Um, do you like where the NHL is right now? Do you think they have work to do? I think in certain markets, like th- that's the that's their biggest. To me, that's their biggest flaw is having all of these. Um, kind of these teams in these markets that just don't they just aren't working like and there's so many political decisions that are involved in 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 that and you look at all the kind of movement that's happening in Seattle pretty rapidly right now yeah I, I think it's in a good place there's been so many great stories that have kind of made made it kind of naturally and organically turn in, like become in a kind of in a good place. You know, look at the the Vegas Golden Knights as, as a prime example, and even Nashville, a team like Nashville, how that's revitalized the downtown core of Nashville. Winnipeg as well too is knocking on the door. Um, um, yeah, they're chasing. I think they'll always chase the American markets. Uh, the one thing I have to say is um, they are notoriously bad for promoting their stars like hockey culture is kind of one of the most boring monotone conservative don't stand out out, be part of the crowd they could take a lesson from the nba and you just look at the stanley cup finals and the way that the lack of media availabilities um the lack of kind of promoting their own stars and alexander ovechkin had a couple of days off in the middle of the stanley cup finals you can get kobe bryant or you can get i shouldn't say kobe bryant you can get steph curry or LeBron James the day of the game and you get him after the game and before the game and for however long you want. And like, I, I just think that that's going to bite them eventually. And and they have these stars. The greatest thing that happened was that Alexander Ovechkin won the Stanley Cup. Like this guy, so full of personality and so against the the norm and what, what was what's the cookie cutter type of hockey player, the Sidney Crosby. And I think Sidney Crosby is an amazing player still it kind of went against the norm. So I think I, I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see more players kind of show their personalities. This Fortnite thing is a huge talking point and obviously a point of discussion in Vancouver, but it's great. Yeah, like, it is, isn't it? It's it's great. Like I think it's it more personality, the better. Um, and I, I, I wish that teams would be more understanding of the media's job in this whole thing and, and and allowing players to stand out and allowing players to speak their minds. It's the old adage, we get mad at them for saying something or saying things out of turn, but then like we get mad when they don't say say anything at all and just give hockey cliche quotes. I I think it's in a hockey's in a good place from a from a competitive side of, of things and parody side of things. But I think it's got some work to do in terms of, like you mentioned, competing with the U.S. market. And I think showing their personality a little bit more would really do them some good. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that we saw both sides of that today with the Line A quote, who's taking a shot at the Canucks uh, over the Fortnite thing. But then we, I, I saw a quote from uh, Ken Hitchcock where he said the media needs to lay off Elias Pettersson because – too much hype is going to make him too well-known and bring too much attention to him. I'm like, why? This kid's a great player. People not supposed to write to him and interview him and talk to him. I think we should be celebrating the stars and their personality, which brings me to, I wanted to talk about the Leafs a little bit. Is it a good thing for the NHL to have the Leafs back? I know being in another Canadian market, it is so much fun to laugh at the Leafs and the ineptitude in Toronto. Whether you love to hate them or you love them in Toronto, having players like... John Tavares going there, Austin Matthews. You know, I know there's this fuss with Nylander holding out, so there's this drama and angst around the Leafs. I think having big players and big markets is only good for the league. Absolutely, yeah. It And it pains probably a lot of people to say it, that they're going to be a contender this year. I picked them as my East finalists this year because I think they are going They're going to be good. John Tavares is one of my favorite players to watch. Um, he's incredible to deal with, um, such an incredible leader. And you almost felt sorry for him in New York that he was never going to get where he wanted to be in that organization. Like he just, ne- it was just never going to happen for him. Having him and having so many of those stars, like you mentioned, in one of the top markets, it's a money making market in Canada. 
It always has been. And then to have an, an innovative GM like Kyle Dubas, who's looks like he could be your kid brother <laughs> <laughs> and seems to be doing things just a little bit differently and relating to players in a different way um, and, and trying to take a, an innovative approach. Obviously, Brendan Shanahan has a, has a, probably has a role in that secretly behind the scenes. I, I absolutely, it's great for the NHL. Um, it, such such history there. Um, I know they've already probably planned their parade parade route uh, ten times over. It's and it is such a difficult and interesting market. I think to play in, it takes a special kind of player to absorb that and to um, be able to handle the constant like media circus that it is. Like I don't know if you saw. Um, so today's the opening day which of the NHL, which is Wednesday. The media scrum with John Tavares yeah. was like unbelievable. Like there's it was like three or four cameras deep, and that's probably an everyday occurrence in Toronto. Yeah. Meanwhile, in places like Tampa and Florida, where they have you know teams that people are picking to do well this year, there's crickets, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's a great thing. It's yeah. a great thing for the NHL that that the Toronto Maple Leafs are solidified and they they seem to be back to to where or back to where they want to be. I mean, it feels like they've been re- rebuilding for years, decades. They have decades. <laughs> <laughs> I still think of Daryl Sittler when I think of uh, successful Leafs, but that shows how old I am. I should pro- I'm probably glossing over the whole Dougie Gilmore era. <laughs> um, but you you said you have them as your Eastern finalists. Give me your thoughts. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Who are they going to be the, the top players this year? The Hart Trophy. Uh, which teams do you think are going to surprise? What are you looking for for this season? So I was, and I, I, I 100%, you can go back and research it. I picked the Vegas Golden Knights to be in the, I think it was the Western Conference Final. I picked the Western Conference Final for sure. I picked that correctly last year. So I kind of go off the grid a little bit or Apparently. off the beaten path because I did <laughs> pick them. Um. I love San Jose. I've loved them. I I just think I've loved them for years. I I just think they're so deep. They've and adding Carlson. Oh, and Doug Wilson's the smartest GM, low key smartest GM in the National Hockey League. Being able to acquire what he's able to acquire and um, getting Evander Kane kind of back on track was a, was an cr- incredible thing that they did. And then, yeah, Carlson, like you mentioned, uh, Joe Thornton, who seems to be defying his age and all expectations, and um, Brent Burns, one of the best defensemen, offensive defensemen in the league. Like, they've got so many weapons. And I think uh, I saw a lot of Martin Jones in Calgary covering the Calgary Hitmen, but um, I know what kind of goaltender Martin Jones is. And it's been interesting to see him blossom. So I pick them as the Stanley Cup winners this year. This is obviously on October 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very, very easy to pick these things at this time of the, the, the year when, you know, there's no injuries and everybody's healthy and everybody's at, at ground zero. But yeah, I, I do see them. I, I picked the Toronto Maple Leafs to play the San Jose Sharks in the Stanley Cup final. We'll see how that plays out. I do think Winnipeg's going to be good though too. Um, they've been on the, on the cusp for a while. Who do you think the best players are in the NHL right now? Yes. So I... Still think Sidney Crosby is by far just one of you, you. Obviously, you want him on your team any day of the week, but what he's been able to do and the type of player he is and how strong he is on the puck and how hard he works and um, I, I just think he's still the best player in the league and and Alexander Ovechkin now everybody can shut up about him like yeah. he's won so yeah. everybody can lay off that, of him that camp producing the playoff tag is gone yeah yeah. yeah he can and, and uh, he, you're seeing uh, such a mature version of Alexander Ovechkin uh, and I'm not saying that just because he's a new dad but like He's he's really developed into this this interesting interesting NHL star and, and so effective and so great still. Um, Connor McDavid, I see a lot of him in the Western Conference and, and the Calgary Flames playing the Edmonton Oilers, um, torching Mike Smith for all those goals like he did a year ago in the in the season opener. Uh, he scored a hat trick on Mike Smith in Calgary. Um, Connor McDavid is a generational talent. Um, the things he's able to do with the puck, his vision, um, his his, st- his puck handling, his stick handling, just his deci- deceptiveness, so so smart. 
um, Nathan McKinnon, I, I think he doesn't get a, enough credit in, in Colorado. Uh, I know that it's been a tough, tough goal for them um, over the past couple of years, and I, I do think they're kind of due for a playoff run here. I think Nathan McKinnon is kind of of the Sidney Crosby breed, the way that he sort of plays. And number five, Austin Matthews. I, I wish I saw a lot more of him. Like, it's tough to, it's tough in the Western Conference when you cover the Western Conference mostly. Um, he When you do see him, though, and, and the entourage, obviously, that he brings – yeah, he's he's so good too. So th- those are my five. What's what's your five? Well, I mean, it's hard to argue with um, with the list you've. I mean, if you were, you know, those are like five all stars, right? Um, I, you know, you to me, you have to mix in a couple of defensemen that, yeah, that aren't on your list. Totally. PK Subban still to me. I love what he obviously two years ago. You looked at the success that had happened in Nashville. Controversial trade with Weber. I, I think he's flourishing in that market. I was a little surprised they exited early in the playoffs, but as you said, Winnipeg was a great story. Caught some people by surprise last year, but I think Nashville's one of those teams that will bounce back. And another one, because we like to you know, tie this into our, for our Canadian listeners, which we have mostly here with all our post-media markets, um, Carlson to me is a huge – I mean, that deal is oh. to see a guy at his level at that point in his career go to San Jose. I'm really curious to see. Obviously, that ankle people are curious about, but uh, – I want to see what he's going to do there. Um, there are some young players, obviously, that have caught my eye. I don't think Brock Besser's in the conversation yet here in Vancouver as one of the top players, but um, there's players of that ilk. He lost rookie to Matthew Barzal, who I think with Tavares gone may even you know open that up for Barzal to take another leap. I think he's a fantastic player. So um, and and Buffalo is a team that really interests me because they've got Dolan, but also with Jack Eichel. He has been in the shadows so much because he was the second pick. And I think that Jack Eichel is a guy now that put the C on him. I want to see what he does. So I almost see this new wave of players coming yeah, through absolutely. in the NHL. You're, you're so, I mean, McDavid's still young. Um, Ovechkin and Crosby are still there. But I think there's this new wave of young players. We talked about Line in Winnipeg before. I mean, this is a guy now you've had playoff experience I think his class and his maturity have just really come to the front. And with that experience from last year, I'm looking to him to take it to the next level. So I think that's what makes this season so excited, so so exciting. I think that there's um, we're kind of seeing this layers. It's been a theme of this podcast. We've been talking about old versus young, you know, the old hockey culture versus sort of the new young guys and what they want to do. I think we're seeing that actually happen on the ice as well. Absolutely, yeah. And it's about time. Like it's, I think it's kind of that transitional time. A, a lot of and another question, kind of, I was I was interested in is looking at the at the waiver wire and looking at who had all been released and who had been cut and who had been kind of let go and I was kind of looking at some of the some of the main names for me that stuck out it would drew Stafford 32 Steven Gionta 34 uh, yeah. Lee Stempniak 35 released from Boston uh, Simone Dupre um, 27 released released from um, the Canadians and Daniel Winnick like like these guys were were stars and these guys were 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 you know teams built around these guys before so uh, and they're it's just the younger it's just a younger man's league it's a yeah. quick league we saw in Calgary how quickly they kind of slowed down and um you know obviously in Vancouver too with the Sedins although I still I'm just gonna be so gonna be so hard <laughs> not to see them on the ice this yeah. year um it just it's just you have to do it talent. if you're gonna rebuild right Absolutely. you do have to have that youth movement yeah so it is I think it is that turning point in the National Hockey League we're seeing this like shift in the the powers which is going to make for a really exciting Art Ross trophy race and, you know, Rocket Richard. Like, that's going to be, to me, that's going to be the most interesting to see who kind of stands out a little bit more than, than normal. So, um, and the other thing, too, I, I was interested in, actually, and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts, it, are the goaltending, like the all the goaltenders that were sort of, on waivers and obviously Toronto put uh, Curtis McElhenney and yeah. uh, um, uh, oh my goodness uh, Calvin Picard yeah. on waivers and they were picked up yeah so goaltending to me is something that I've uh, I've never understood the market for goaltenders and, and obviously we had a very stark example of that here with Roberto Luongo and and as he famously said, his contract sucks. <laughs> and it was he signed this mega deal at eight million a year, and and that was the big deterrent when he wanted to get out of town. But I still look at teams that go into the playoffs. Hello, Philadelphia Flyers. And every year, your goaltending is what lets you down, and yet they're reluctant to spend on it. And I think sometimes you have to 
bite the bullet and you say, if our weakness is goaltending and we have everything else, I'm going to spend on a goaltender, even if it's a short-term thing. And there's been this reluctance to do it. And there you look at Luongo still at the center of Florida now at his advanced age. People say, can he stay healthy because he wasn't down the stretch in Florida last year. But, you know, I don't think we're in the era of the NHL where go and get a Marty Brodeur and you can just shut down around him and hope to get a lucky goal or two and you might win a cop. But I do think that there are a lot of teams, again, hello Edmonton, that have had troubling goal for a long time. And when you have all the other pieces in place, I think they're far too worried about how much money they're spending on a goaltender. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The you look in Calgary with Mike Smith, he's 36 years old and um, turning 37 in, in March. And so much of their season hinges on whether or not that he can last and whether or not um, he can produce saves like he did at the beginning of the season yeah. last year. He stole when, some games for them last year. When the Flames lost him for a month, that was it. Yeah. Like they they didn't, like David Riddick, you know, he's great. Like he's, he's such an interesting kid uh, in Calgary and only playing his second year in North America last year comes in, has no NHL experience, and just can't can't handle it. Like, it's a total different thing when you're a number one goalie. I, I think it's to some extent, like you see in, in Vancouver with Thatcher Demko, there's, there's some merit and there's some um, advantageous, like, thoughts when you look at developing your own goaltenders. Connor Hellebuck is a perfect they example. They take so long, Kristen. They do, and, like, you need to win now. So, yeah. like, Andrew Hammond, Hamburger a couple years ago, um great in, in in Ottawa and you know led them to run in this in the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2014-15. He was on waivers in yep. Minnesota and now he's playing in Iowa. I know and this is the thing I look at Calgary <laughs> it's crazy. and it's it's great that they have Mike Smith. Sure. But as their younger core get ready to maybe really compete then what are you doing? Then what are you doing? Yeah. So they, yeah, I guess you have to look at developing within, but you're right. It does. It's a, it's a process with goaltenders. Always has been. All right. We'll end the second period there and we'll be right back with our final segment where we'll have some fun as Kristen ranks some things for us. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10-3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10.3 Canada's News Covered. Welcome back to Post Media's Off the Post podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by Kristen Anderson. Kristen, for this last segment, it's a little bit shorter, but we're going to have some fun. I wanted you to rank some things around the NHL. So we'll start off with... Um, one of the things that I thought, and I know I sent this to you because I'd seen you tweet out a great Calgary Cowboys <laughs> jersey. Um, people have so much fun now that Adidas is making these third jerseys. I know it went crazy. One of our biggest posts of the summer here in Vancouver was when the Canucks did a poll as to what third jersey they would have. You know, the horrendous flying Vs was one of them. And then the one that won was the, the, the old skate that they wore in 94. But last week when the Whalers jersey came out for the Hurricanes, I thought it was fantastic. Do you have five jerseys in the NHL that are your favorites? I do, yes, 100%. And so to go go back to your just your quick comment about me tweeting out about the Calgary Cowboys, I got a lot of pushback from that. Like people thought it was so ugly. And I just, I'm such a traditionalist. I love like honoring tradition and like making old things new again and cool again. Um, and, and it's just this like simple, simple logo of a cow, like a cowboy hat, which is sort of part of the, the Calgaryan culture and an homage to the old cowboy, Calgary Cowboys. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I loved it. But anyway, that's not one of my, my top five in the NHL. That's for sure. Um, my, I'll start, start with my, my five and then go all the way up. So number five for me is the old school flames, just the flaming sea. That's, uh, it's pretty classic Jersey in, in my mind. Um, 89 Stanley cup, Landy McDonald conjures up so many memories from that, that Stanley cup season, which is unfortunately what the flame Calgary flames fans just still grasp to but that's okay Kristen, in vancouver we're still grasping to 94 which we lost okay <laughs> like that team is beloved here uh, and they lost at least you won every one. market has yeah. its thing right uh, i do think it's a it's a it's a nice classic jersey though um i love the the third san jose sharks jersey that that black and on yeah. teal like it just it's so crisp and classy i love it um and then that's that bright bright teal 
um, Nashville, like the, the whole vibe they got going on there with the yellow and um, bright yellow, everything's yellow, you can't even see the number hardly or the, the jersey or the name on the back, it's impossible um, to, to cover their games, but I do think it's cool. And, and just, and plus what it kind of stands for, like, and, you know, Tim McGraw wears the, wears the jersey and Carrie Underwood, obviously, and all the star, the country stars and kind of get behind this. So it's, 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 it's pretty cool. Like it's kind of a cooler new jersey in my mind. Uh, Jets. The, the, the Jets, like, how could you not love that? That's a classic. I hate it, but you go, do? yeah, I do. Oh. That's personal preference. I just find it so conservative, and everyone uses navy, and the jet looks uh, old to me. Yeah. It looks like, looks like it should be on a stamp, but I get the people love the classic look. <laughs> I mean, look at me, I'm wearing red pants today. So, like, <laughs> what does that say? Um, my number one is the Arizona Kachina. <laughs> when they first came out, oh, I you love really it. Big, now I understand why you picked the the uh, Vegas to win last year. <laughs> I know, right? I love the Kachina, um, and a couple of the goaltenders have uh, that Kachina theme in yeah, their like, in their like in their pads. Like it's 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 pretty cool. I, I think it's a cool like homage to Arizona kind of culture and it, and just the way that the team started too. So, I mean, that's yeah, that's my number one. What's what's your number one? Um, well, I. I'm kind of all over the place. I I, I obviously love the la- the uh, Whalers. I think that logo is the best that they've ever had. The inventiveness of the tail and both the H and the W in there. But I think um, I I'm, I've got kind of a tie for my two favorite all time, and and one is the L.A. Kings, the purple and gold. Much like you said with oh, Nashville, yeah. I thought when they got Classic. on the black and silver train, it was just too much, and everyone went to black. Right, everyone has some black. When you see, you know, the Nashville yellow or at the time you'd see the purple and gold of the Kings, you knew who it was. Like you could see them a block away and you knew who it was. And then the other one is the old Quebec Nordiques. I just oh. think that blue with a fleur-de-lis, um, you know, this half igloo that looks like an elephant almost. I, I thought it was fantastic. And I know being close to Seattle, there's so much talk about the team going to Seattle and there's so much fuss about the name. I real desperately want it to be Kraken or Sasquatch. I hope it's not like totems or emeralds or something lame like that. Oh yeah. But there's, you know, I think there's so much possibility now around, you know, the marketing. The ironic thing though, Kristen, is I find that if you look at jerseys and we've mentioned all these these great ones, the best ones might be the ones that were designed 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, Leafs, Habs, Red Wings, uh, Blackhawks, yeah. really classic jerseys. And even someone like the Rangers, which has gone with a script, it's got that drop shadow that other teams don't have. And there's something iconic about a hockey uniform that, you know, okay, yeah, you've got the Lakers, the purple and gold, or the Celtics, green and white. Uh, you know, baseball has the Yankees because of the pinstripes. But beyond that, there's not a lot of classic uniforms in other sports the way they are in hockey. What's your top five worst? Or give me some of the ones you hate. You just hate. Um, I hate the Canucks current ones. Again, I think the Orca Bay whale logo is terrible. People here don't like it. They all want Johnny Canuck. Um, so oh, that that's one, such a good one. I love that yeah, one. That one. That's awesome. I, I don't like the Dallas Stars. I think I loved when they went, they went to green because, again, you look at other sports, they have iconic green. There's no one in the NHL that's green. I know Minnesota has that pea green, but that sort of bright green was good. But they kind of ripped off the North Stars look. And, again, the North Stars with that classic drop shadow I liked. Um, the newer ones, the Hurricanes one, I you know, I know that obviously we've just seen a hurricane in Carolina. <laughs> it's really nondescript for me. Uh not a fan of the Bruins one, even though it's classic. Yeah. I like when they've gone to the bear, I like the shoulder patches. I'm not so much a fan of the B, but it's, you know, it's classic. What do you do there? And I said the Jets, because I, I just think everyone went to sort of a navy blue, a dark, a classic, clean, crisp. I like something that's a little a little off the rails, something with a little more color in it. Yeah. I remember when the Oilers went to the 2006 Stanley Cup with yeah. that. I, I think that one's the worst. That one's gross. Just the oil drop, like, ugh. The I, one that was like, a, it was like a the Todd McFarlane like cutaway of a pipe. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty, like, pretty oh, bad. That was gross. Um, I, I don't mind the Oilers jerseys. Like, I, I, think, I, I love think, the fact I think, they went to orange. Yep, I think that's. I, I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, the flames had a, a awful horse head in Calgary. Yes, they called blasty, like yeah. it's the old it was snorting fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The young guns era. I think. Um, yeah, I, I'm not like, and it's tough to knock and hate on the um, the the original six teams logos. Yeah. But you're right, the Boston wheel kind of is, is sort of lame. But I do like the bear. Some people don't like the bear, but I like the bear. Um, I know I'm in the minority here because it's universally hailed as one of the worst uniforms in all of sports, but I love the flying V here in Vancouver. 
Do you? Where, yeah, you had the skate logo, but it was on the sleeve and you had the, I know it was garish at the time, but there's something about it. And I think it's whatever uniform was around while you were in high school, I think you identify with kind of like music. So true. You know, music, whatever yeah. music you had in high school, you still love like 20 years later, in my case, like 30 years later. It's so but true. But I, th- I think that that's, uh, the uniforms, <laughs> I think I can't get enough of them. I'm a big uniform geek. It's a huge talking point for sure, yeah. 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 Um, now, before we let you go, because I know you have uh, uh, games to cover, etc., I wanted you to rank, as you're here in Vancouver, out of the snow, I wanted you to rank your five <laughs> favorite road cities. Yeah, it's it, it's a interesting part of the and I'm so fortunate to be able to um, go to these cities and to cover uh, cover the flames obviously but to cover the NHL and all these different markets and different cities and and you really get a perspective on um, how each city embraces their team or doesn't embrace their team um, that plays into my favorite destinations my favorite uh, hockey NHL destinations um, it also like Proximity to the rink, how how the rink is set up, the atmosphere in the rink, um, the, the kind of what's happening, the culture around the arena. Um, to me, that all factors into like the destinations that I like. I ranked these in my top five, and I do have some honorable mentions. And I I couldn't say Vancouver because I'm here, and I didn't yeah. want you guys to think I'm sucking up. But <laughs> I do love Vancouver. I I, I I obviously love the city. It's it's awesome. But um, the way that the rink is set up in Vancouver is so great that it's downtown. Everything is sort of downtown here. Uh, my number five, I guess I'll go from the five to the top. Tampa Bay, yeah. totally um, unreal atmosphere. Like the the game prior to the game, kind of a tailgating atmosphere. There's a big giant screen outside the Amelie Arena. Inside is kind of hilarious because they do a little bit of a hockey 101. They explain what offside is and explains penalties. So it's kind of funny. But then there's also tons of knowledgeable fans um, that really get into the play. There's You go to a rink sometimes in, in Florida, Carolina, they just cheer. They don't know what they're cheering for, but they're just cheering <laughs> and cheering for hits, cheering when yeah. the boards make noise, yeah. whatever. Um, but Tampa Bay, they're they're pretty into it. I, I, I like it. I, I love Arizona. Like I'm partial to Phoenix. I I, um, I got married in Phoenix, but um, I do I do like Arizona. I, and it's unfortunate that it couldn't work in Glendale because I think it's an it's a smart setup with the way that they have the yeah, it's just too far. Gila River. It's just too far and just not in a great spot. But they have a they have some cool like stuff around um, the rink and kind of an atmosphere, but. Uh, it's yeah. It's not so much the atmosphere in the arenas, although it's cool to kind of hear the snowbirds all cheer for the yeah. visiting teams. Yeah, that's weird. I've been which is <laughs> which is unfortunate because you kind of like. Do you guys like playing in Arizona? I don't know. Maybe you do like going in golfing in the afternoon and then practicing in the morning, and yeah. nobody really knows who you are. Maybe th- maybe they like that, but no state tax too. I think that's true. That makes, <laughs> makes a difference. That always helps. Yeah, and the the weather and the climate. Chicago's number three, and I can't believe. Actually, no, that's uh, Chicago. Did I put Chicago's number three? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean Chicago, unreal. Like when they when I first heard the anthem, and and beat writers kind of get soft on this because they yeah. they kind of tear up a little bit when they fear, first hear the anthem in the the U.S. anthem in Chicago because the way that they sing it and the way that the fans get behind it just screaming going nuts the entire time the U.S. anthem is playing like it's it's just unbelievable um patriotism but like also it's just a really cool that they get behind their sports that much in, in Chicago and, and Chicago is a great city it's like yeah so much to do yeah and eat and eat and eat. And the downtown's so walkable too, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and people are, you know, it's a little bit cleaner, I think, than New yeah. York. I, I love New York. Um, number two is Nashville. If anybody, go to Nashville. If you have the choice, if you have the, anybody that's listening, pick it. If you're going looking for a hockey boys trip or road trip or girls trip even, catch a hockey game in Nashville. It's an unbelievable experience. You never know who you're going to see. Um, but it's also just smack dab right in the middle of downtown. There's country music. Every bar you go to, um, there's great singers, great food, um, just happening all the time. And, and the atmosphere in the arena is really, it's really taken off. So, And then number one, oh, man, I was going to go with Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> no, Edmonton were all the bottom five. When I, We won't have time to get to your worst road trip, but yeah, Edmonton's up there. Edmonton's up there. I like. I do like Anaheim. I've I, always been a fan of Anaheim. Um, the the rink there is is nice, 
but also the fans I feel like are, are pretty knowledgeable and into it um I could I couldn't pick a number one I I I like I really like uh, Toronto it, it's it's cool to go to Toronto because of the way that the the team the, the history and the way downtown they, rinks are great too though right oh they're super it's a huge difference when you when you've got the game downtown and there's people after work or there's a bit of a buzz and there's places to go afterwards yeah if if Mir and she's listening like that's the way that they should yeah. build an, uh, a rink in Calgary Absolutely. which they're clamoring for I love you didn't have Vegas on your list did you oh, get to go last year? You know what? I, I did go to Vegas. Actually, that was that was unbelievable to the um the the pregame show and and they have Carrot Top doing the yeah. in season or in game like like safety whatever do's and don'ts of the rink. Um that's up there. Like I couldn't narrow it down. There's there's a lot of a lot of each barn kind of has its own thing. Dallas is cool. I don't like I really don't like going to Florida. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, like they, they've had some good teams there too, and and exciting teams, which is unfortunate. But it, they're just where the rink is. It's kind of in an industrial area. There's a mall there, but it's just like in the middle of nowhere in Sunrise. Um, I'm not crazy. And there's no atmosphere there, right? Like, it's yeah, just... there's no atmosphere. I, I I hate going to Buffalo in the winter, but I do like the new arena, the improvements yeah. they made. Um, some good, some good. Some There's good lots spots. of good places to go, and I know that that's you know obviously Seattle will help Vancouver fans to catch um, not only the Canucks if they're down there, but I always find this is interesting when you know we get fans when Crosby comes to town or when the Leafs come to town. Well, if you can't get tickets in Vancouver, you can go see them now when there's a team in Seattle. But the West Coast swing, you know, you can get San Jose, L.A., Anaheim if you want. Arizona's not far away. Now Vegas is there as well. You know, flights between these places are pretty cheap. So when you have that Nashville, super popular one like Nashville, Chicago close, maybe if you want to go to St. Louis, I'm not sure why you'd want to go to St. Louis, but if you wanted to, to see your team play, a lot of these are close. I think that's fun too. And and obviously if you're in the East, you know, I think everyone has to see a, good, a game in Montreal at some point or another. Yeah, that's a that's a game changer too. Yeah. Um, Just going, try and go in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to New York too is can be challenging. Um it's the lo- logistically it's super expensive, but yeah. it, it's MSG is is magical. Um, Brooklyn, miss it if you can, like just avoid it because well, it's, Islanders want to miss it. They want to go, go back to Nassau. It is the worst in terms of sight lines. Like you can't even see the play develop where the press com- where the press press box is. Like I never have a good time yeah. covering a game when I'm in Brooklyn. <laughs> Okay, well, I think we'll leave it there. We've uh, we've run out of time here. So, Kristen, thanks for joining us. I want to thank everyone for listening. Kristen will be back. We will have uh, writers from across the Post Media chain. Um, I'm Paul Chapman. This is the Post Media Off the Post podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts and rate us. Tell us what you think. Uh, feel free to send us any input, and we will be back again next week.